0: Welcome back in for another edition of the Todd Pod. My name is Todd Lisenby. My guest today is Callan Hayden. We're going to tell you more about Callan and talk to him in just a moment. But first, let's thank our great sponsors of the Todd Pod. Mid First Bank, the Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Casino, Oklahoma Ford Dealers, and don't forget to drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford Dealers. Today, for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Callan Hayden is my guest today. Callan played high school basketball in Oklahoma. He played college basketball in Oklahoma. He's done a little radio work this year in Oklahoma. Right now, he's coaching basketball in Oklahoma. Did I leave anything out there, Callan? Nope.
1: That's what I'm doing right now, Todd.
0: So let's talk about first. You growing up, you're an Oklahoma kid, right? You went to high school in El Reno. Tell me kind of about your journey uh, because you have a very, I think, interesting career going all the way back to high school to how it finished out at UCO.
1: Yeah, so I went to high school at El Reno, grew, grew up, born and raised there. And it actually started before high school. My basketball kind of journey is my, bad, my dad, he's the little league coordinator out there at El Reno. So I've always been around basketball always worked the game since I was five, six years old. And uh, so that's kind of where it really started. I've kind of grown up around it, was born into it, and uh, I grew a love for it early. And then I got into high school and a lot of people, some know this, some don't know this, but my uncle's a head coach out at El Reno High School and he's been the head coach since 2000. And uh, he's also the athletic director at El Reno. And so I got to play for my uncle and a lot of people are always like, oh yeah, so that's why you were decent in high school and you know all about that, Todd. And, uh, so it was, uh, it's always been a thing for me, basketball and my family. Uh, it's just, it's been a blessing to me and it's been awesome to grow up in El Reno. But when I got into high school, you know, when I got on to practice and I started being on the varsity team as a freshman, I, I never considered him as my uncle, never treated him like my uncle. He was hard on me and everybody knew that. And, um, when I got into high school, it was just game on, and I kind of had a good uh, veteran group of senior juniors and seniors who really got me in the gym early as a freshman or really as an eighth grader is really when my work started, and I would wake up every morning at 6 a.m., go to go to the gym every day before high school, and honestly, I wasn't very good in eighth and ninth grade, and I, I'd be the first to admit that. I wasn't even a great AAU player, played on some B teams as an AAU t- uh, kid, and um But my 8th and ninth grade year, going into high school right there, I started really getting up every day, was committed, was loyal to going to the gym every day in high school. And those 6 a.m. workouts really started to pay off when I was a sophomore and junior. I didn't play hardly any as a freshman out at El Reno, and we went to state three of my four years in high school. And um, it just really started to pay off, and things started clicking when I was a sophomore. And I knew that I wanted to continue this to the collegiate level. And I had a big high school career, and I know we may dive deeper into that, but it was, uh, that's kind of where it all started. My family was a basketball family, and I just grew up in it, and I, I found a love for it early. So who recruited you out of high school? So there were several several colleges. There were some D2. Um, Tom Hankins was at UCO here. We kind of talked a little bit, but mainly it was all JUCOs. Uh, St. Louis uh, Community College was a big one. They flew me out there. I knew I kind of wanted to go to JUCO. That's kind of what was in my, in my blood. I wanted to see how far, if I just could get two more years at a junior college college level, I wanted to really see where that could take me and how I could grow under those circumstances where you're just really focusing on basketball. And everybody knows that junior college grind is different and it really built me, but mostly JUCOs, uh, Western Texas is where I started off and then I transferred to Connor state and, uh, junior college was a blessing to me so
0: okay you go from connor state you end up at uco uh bob hoffman's the coach at uco coach hoffman's (laughs) a guy who's coached in this state you know forever and outside of this state also at some d1 programs so he's a known guy uh you're you're from a family of coaches so i'm sure that everyone immediately told you like hey coach hoffman would be a good spot to land at. But when you met Coach Hoffman, when you went to UCO, talk me through that process of how your decision-making went down when you decided you wanted to play for the Broncos.
1: Yeah, so it actually even started before he even started recruiting me when he was a head coach at UCO. So actually I was a senior in high school, and he had me on a visit out at Mercer where he was the coach there for several years. And so I went out there and developed a relationship with him starting then. And uh, I wasn't good enough to play at Mercer. And me, and me and Coach Hoffman joke about it all the time. He said I was good enough to go there. But he wanted me to walk on, and I just didn't. It wasn't right for both of us right then. And uh, I knew right when he got this head coaching job at UCO, he contacted me. I was one of his first recruit. Actually, I was his first recruit. And uh, I knew that first message when he was like, I, I want to start something big here, I want to change the dynamic of where this program is at and where we're going to head. And I, I was bought in from the first time he gave me that call when I was a sophomore at Corner State, and then he came up there and what? Yeah, go ahead, talk. Well, no, no, no. Go, you finish your thought. Sorry. Well, he he came up to Corner State and uh, we had a conversation. He came and watched one of my games, and he said you're the perfect fit. And then after I heard of what his plans were for me and for this team and this program and all around community of UCO, I was bought in a hundred percent, and I knew that I wanted to come back to Edmund and I knew this was home for me.
0: So. Correct me if I'm wrong, your first year at UCO was 2019-20, is that correct?
1: 2020-2021. It was right okay. after COVID. So your first
0: yes, year was the COVID year then. Yes, sir. Okay. So that's what I want to talk about to talk to you about next because uh you you have this weird like you you're the perfect or maybe it's the imperfect, I don't know, but you're right in that sweet spot of you caught COVID and then towards the tail end of your college career you caught, and I know it was more at the D1 level, but the first kind of NIL wave in college sure. sports, right? Like you went through both of yes, those. Sir. So let's, let's talk about COVID first. Um, what was that year like? Because basketball is a little bit different than football that's played mm-hmm. outside. You guys were playing indoors. You guys were having to travel on buses. Um, I, I mean, how were you able to still have fun during that season?
1: Well, yeah, and that started, honestly, the spring of my junior college uh, sophomore year. And it was really when I was getting recruited hard. So it was actually started then where I started really realizing all the differences it was making and the coaches that were reaching out to me, they couldn't even come visit to me, even though I knew I probably was coming to central Oklahoma, but it really started there when I was like, this is way different. Like you coaches can't even come recruit junior college kids right now because of COVID. And then I get to UCO and we start the season. We honestly didn't even know if we were going to have a season, like every other college kid out there. But, When we got on the floor and started playing, it was just so much different. I mean, from the first day of practice, we had to wear masks and like, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it does wear off every day of just wearing a mask, practicing and seeing your teammates' voices or mouse moving, just simple things like that. It just changes the whole dynamic of a team. And then not only there's no fans in the stands or a limited number of them, and then you have to set away from your teammates when you are on the sidelines. So it changes the whole dynamic of the game. It makes a camaraderie of a team harder to build, uh, build relations, relationships and trying to just uh, interact with the community to like follow us. Because like I said, there wasn't very many people that could come to game, so they had to watch online. And it's not as interesting, just like you know it, as if you can't connect to the players or connect to the team of someone. It's not as interesting to watch a team play so all that
0: one of the things that makes d2 great is like after the game fans can stop and talk to you guys yes yes. you guys come out the kids can talk to you and that all went away i do want to ask because i am curious i I don't know why i haven't asked this before but did you guys have to stay one to a room on road trips because that's another part of the camaraderie part right
1: that was that's a good question actually we didn't have to do that we i mean we also we were taking covid tests every single week back to back and you know, so we were doing all the right things that the NCAA required us, but one of them was we could stay in the hotel with each other in the room, which was at least good for us.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. The whole year was just it was bizarre going to games that yes. year. Uh and then you come out of that and then because of that, there's you know, you got that free season. Yes. Um, and so many people use that extra eligibility. So you, you see now, coming out of that, probably on the tail end, you probably thought, great, I get an extra year out of this deal,
1: right? No doubt. I mean, I was happy to get extra year. But then again, I was like, during that season, we only we had like half our games canceled and, you know, practices were canceled. And we had three weeks off where our whole team had COVID. So I was fortunate that the NCAA gave us college athletes another year, which kind of sucks for high school kids. And that's a whole different topic. But at the, at the end of the day, it was like I felt like we deserved an extra year because it was kind of just, I mean, it felt like we didn't even play a real season, Todd. And and honestly, as much as I enjoy basketball, that was the least fun of basketball I had playing in my entire career.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people, especially like you said, high school kids that just got out of sports that year because it was just so tough to manage. Uh, You come out of COVID. You get the extra year. Let's start with what I guess technically was your junior year, which was uh, the year that you guys had the big upset against Northwest Missouri State at home. You make it to the NCAA tournament. Kind of talk me through that team. I know Isaiah Wade was a really good player on that team. I I think, is he still in the G League camps? Yes. Where he's still at right now? I know he's played overseas a little bit. Um, But just kind of talk me through how that all came together so
1: quickly for you guys. Well, even during that COVID year, we kind of found a, a, a identity of what our team could be the following year, even through those tough times of COVID. So that, that following year, we had a real identity even coming into the year of what we could be and the talent we had on our team. I mean, when you're talking about Jaden Wells and uh, Cam Givens and Isaiah Wade and the list goes on and on of players and all conference players that UCO ha- has had and still has with Jaden Wells. We knew that the talent was there, but we had to buy in as a team and just trust Coach Hoffman because, I mean, Coach Hoffman kn- knew more than our whole team combined times 100 because that's how many years he's been coaching, that's how many games he's coached in, that how many big games he's coached in. And so we all really got together as a team, and we were like, we just got to trust Coach Hoffman. There's going to be some ups and downs to this season, but we knew if we bought into what he was giving us and he was preaching us, we knew we could do something special at Central Oklahoma that hasn't been done in a long time.
0: I know I know. talking to some of the players on that team, and I think we may have even had this conversation, you guys got to the NCAA tournament, and it was almost like, wow, this is amazing. We're in the NCAA tournament. Wow. Whereas the thought was the next season, with so many people coming back, really only losing Isaiah Wade from that team, that you guys were going to make an even deeper run, and it was going to be a little bit different. And then you guys go out to Hawaii, which, Probably was the best, worst trip of your life, right? Yep. I mean, you played yep. really well out in Hawaii, but you get injured. So kind of walk everybody through what happened in your senior season.
1: Yeah, so we come off the MIAA championship the previous year. Um, we made the national tournament for the first time and uh, since we've been in the MIAA conference, Central, o- Central Oklahoma. And we only lost Isaiah Wade, which was a big part, but we knew we had, once again, a chance to be really good. And we got a transfer from Tulsa University, Curtis Hayward, who's probably the best defender in the country, in my opinion, at this level. And so, you know, we head out to Hawaii for that Thanksgiving Classic, and uh, we actually played one game before the Thanksgiving Classic at uh, Hawaii Hilo. And um, I was excited. I mean, I was at the peak of my game. My mind was right. Uh, I was physically right. And everything just seemed to be lining up to have, like, a perfect season where we can make a deeper run. I mean, the the sky was the limit for this team. And so we go out to Hawaii, and our first game, uh, we played at Hawaii Hilo. And if anybody's ever played at Hawaii, you know the humidity. It's always raining out there, especially during those months of November, December, January. It's a lot of rain out there. And uh, we played that game at Hawaii Hilo, and uh, it actually got canceled because the floor was so damp and it was just slick.
0: Let me stop real quick, because I I didn't make this trip. Chris Brannick, the sports information director, made the trip. I'm still a little bit bitter about it, (laughs) if I'm being honest with you, that I didn't get to go to Hawaii. But Hawaii Hilo's gym is like open air, right? I mean, it's at the top of it, it is open air to outside. So when it gets humid, that humidity gets on the court. And I was watching the game on the live stream that night, and you guys just – you get across half court – and there was one spot where you just kept slipping and falling,
1: right? Yeah. I mean, it, it was nonstop all game. It didn't matter. I mean, we stopped the game at least 10 times to try to wipe up spots on the floor, especially one certain spot near the midcourt area where I was really working as the point guard. And um, I mean, I've never experienced anything like that. And honestly, you you could have changed shoes. You could have uh, tried anything. But that court was just so bad that night, especially with the humidity, because it was just raining nonstop. And Never experienced anything like it, Todd. Like I always say, that I've never seen it, and um, yeah, they just canceled the game on us, and uh, it, it was crazy. And it, it, nobody really knew what to do at the time because we're like, "What is this? Like, what a canceled game because the court's wet? Like, it's unheard of." But it was needed because there were so many players falling, and then unfortunately, uh, my wrist—I fell on my wrist and broke it that night, and um, that's just kind of where the old the, the nightmare started. So, so, so you, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was towards the end,
0: right? That you did this. Yes. It was one of the last times that somebody slipped and they were finally like, okay, we got to call the game. This thing can't happen. And that time when you slipped was when you tried to catch yourself and you ended up breaking your wrist. You go and you play two more games, right?
1: Yes. So we, Uh, we go with a broken wrist, with a broken wrist. And honestly, I didn't know it at the time, but Personally, I knew something was definitely not right. We were hoping it was just a sprained wrist. It swelled up bad. And then so my whole Hawaii trip, and I'm glad my team, they got to really enjoy it. But my whole Hawaii trip was spent literally in the hotel room with the trash can full of ice and ice water and just trying to get this swelling to go down and just hoping it was a sprained wrist. So when we fly to Honolulu from the big island of Hawaii, we get off the plane, and I was just like, man, this wrist just keeps swelling up more and more. And then we have two of the biggest games of that we've played here at UCO, especially a top-ten matchup with San Bernardino out of California and then also Colorado Springs, and they were two big games. And honestly, I couldn't even shoot around before those games, couldn't practice, couldn't do any of that. But I just knew that like, if I could make it into these games, and hopefully it was the sprained wrist, which I was hoping at the time, um, maybe I could just play on it, and once I got my adrenaline flowing, my blood flowing, everything would be all right. And that's exactly what happened. I, I tried to play on it, and I did, and I, fortunately with a blessing that I'm so grateful for that I played those two games great, and I didn't know that was going to be probably the last two games of my career.
0: Yeah, now let me ask you this. Do you know the answer to this? Did Did you make it worse by playing on it, do you think? Or is that one of those where they don't really know?
1: I think that's one of those where it's, I don't think it. you made it worse. I mean, it was a fully yeah. broken scaphoid bone in my wrist, so it just needed to have surgery. It needed to have a screw in there to heal. And um, the the thing about the scaphoid bone and what I broke is it, it controls all the blood supply to your wrist. So the, if you do end up playing on this bone, the bone has a chance of just dying in your wrist. That bone, you, can, you can't heal the bone ever. So your wrist would be hurting and you would never be able to play basketball ever again. And so off off those two games in Hawaii, which we both won in Honolulu, and I was fortunate enough to get MVP on a broken wrist. And somehow with the blessings that I've still played good, played through the pain, we got back home and they got the x-ray and that's when the dilemma was like, well, you're going to have to have surgery or you'll never play basketball again if you try to play through this. And honestly, I knew in my heart that I couldn't play on it because I couldn't practice before the games. I was fortunate enough to make it through the games, but that was just because my adrenaline's flowing and it was November. So you would have had to think that I would have right. had to play on this bone for four months and that would have just been a detriment to my team. And I knew that I wasn't going to do that to my team. I wasn't going to play at 50% or even if I was at that. So I had to make the decision to have surgery and And that was that.
0: So you you busted your tail. You tried to get back. Came back for a few games, but it was never really right. Is that correct? Right. I mean, it it never really felt right to you again. You had to shut it down again. I would love to get into details about, you know, your application for an extra year of eligibility. Mm -hmm. You still work at UCO. You can't discuss any of the details of the case. So we can't really go into any details about it. But you apply for an extra year of eligibility with the NCAA. It gets denied. Um, I don't know if you were surprised or not. If you were, you obviously can't go into why you were or why you weren't. (laughs) But I'm sure you were bummed that you weren't going to be able to play. I'm sure it was something that you really hoped would get accepted. You've seen other guys like, you know, the most famous one recently has been the kid at North Carolina who had his application for an extra year denied and then, he went back again, they put pressure, and it got uh, accepted. When you see other guys that are getting extra years of eligibility for injury waivers, does, does it, are you happy for them, or does part of you feel a little bit, I don't want to say bitter, but does it bum you out to see that stuff, to kind of think of what could have been if you could be playing right now? It's a little bitterness,
1: but honestly, I'm happy for the guys that do get it because people are always like, oh, why would you go back for another year? College is one of the best times of your life life and the people you meet is teammates on a team the coaching staff like it's seriously and people will tell you this former college athletes it's some of the best years of your life and so i'm so happy for kids all around the nation that if they get a, a year granted back to them because of injury honestly i'm so happy for them because they deserve it and um i want i don't want anybody to ever miss out on some of the best years of their life and something they've worked so hard for to just come to an end because of injury and so I was super bummed that I didn't get it. But in all honesty, Todd, it, things work out for a reason, and I believe that. And uh, the only thing I'm bummed about is that how it ended and um, because I felt like I was at the peak of my game when I did get injured and everything just felt right and we had a chance to do big things. But mostly I think I would still be playing basketball maybe right at this time, which, you know, things work out for a reason. And But now I look back on it and um, everything's all right it was tough to swallow for a minute but everything works out for a reason and i'm in a good spot right now and uh i'm just on to the next journey of my life
0: yeah it's all about perspective there'll be a lot of stuff as you get older that's way more important than whether or not you get to play basketball no and uh you'll certainly learn that as the years go on but i know uh you know it's it's interesting right now we're in this time in college basketball and, and college football too all college athletics where you've got so many fifth year seniors or fourth year juniors or you know guys who are getting sixth and seventh years of eligibility. Yep. Do you think it's changed the game at all because you know I, I'll give you an example. We're down at the Small College Basketball Hall of Fame Classic this last weekend with UCO, right? And yep. and they've got a uh, press conference where the coaches at the Classic meet and the coach at Florida Southern he made a comment. He said, you know, I went to a coach's clinic at the Orlando Magic this summer, and their head coach said to me, your starting five is older than my starting five. So you've got teams in college basketball now that have 23 and 24-year-old, right. you know, these aren't kids anymore. These are grown men. Are Is it noticeable, like the level of play from, say, when you started in college to now because of so many older
1: players? No doubt. I mean I think it changes everything from just how you build a program because you have true men out there that are leaders they're they're on your team that that help develop these young guys so that's just from one thing is like these these the young kids that get there they're getting real life like experience from these older dudes who've been there for you know several years that we haven't seen in previous in previous years and then honestly just the strength of just these 23 24 year olds um, it, it changes the game and age does help experience does help and um there's no doubt about it that you can tell the difference and um i think it will be good like i said i'm glad everybody gets those extra years honestly and especially COVID, it's not just with sports this is with everybody in life that it, it kind of put a hole on everything so i'm glad that kids still got to live their dreams out because that's what a lot of kids dreams are is to play four four years of college basketball so it does change the dynamic, but I've, I've always just been a fan of these kids having, even if it is five, six years, I mean, it's a mess right now and I hope it does get cleaned up soon where we're back to the, just the four or five years of kids and they're 22, 23, maybe max of playing, but you know, I'm I'm happy that that a lot of these kids got a lot of years, but you can definitely tell that, well, that there's some grown men on the court. I'll tell you that.
0: Well, I mean, you guys had to go through covid. So, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I understand that because, like you said, that didn't just ruin for a lot of people. That didn't just ruin that season, but it ruined their recruiting process. Right. Um. So, you know, a lot of kids have have had to kind of restart after COVID at a new school. So I understand why they gave them the extra year. But I do notice, I mean, I'm sure you do too. And I'm sure, you know, you guys at UCO this year have six freshmen that yep. were playing high school basketball last year. And now we're playing against 23 and 24-year-old men. Yes. Um, it's a little bit different now coming in as a freshman than it would have been in, say, like 2015, 16. Yeah, like some of these the kids
1: moment. were 6th or 7th graders when these kids were seniors in high school. So put right. that in perspective. Imagine these middle schoolers trying to play with the senior in high school. So it is a difference. Yeah,
0: yeah no doubt. um Okay, I want to ask you one more question because you've done a little bit of radio work. We're going to get into a rapid fire at the end, but one more kind of question that i want you to go into detail about you've done some radio work you've been interning at the franchise right and you've been helping Mm -hmm. out at the franchise i I know that you know in my time doing play-by-play at uco football i'll see you every once in a while used to in the press box you'd be doing play-by-play of the football games i know you follow sports like crazy you're the guy who on the bus is always on his phone looking at sports so you've done sports media you're now helping out with coaching you don't have to choose right now, but is there a direction you're leaning as to what you want to do in the future?
1: I've really enjoyed this radio stuff, Todd. I, as you know, I, I've I've uh, I, I love sports and I love talking about sports. I love dissecting sports. I love you know writing about it, and um, I've loved all of it. But honestly, coaching is um, I think it's a calling of mine. Basketball is just like I said since I was, yeah I was born. I was born into a basketball family. And um, I it's hard to say right now, but I honestly think if I was leading him towards one or the other, the needle probably falls towards the coaching lifestyle of it.
0: That's a great choice. Do you want me to tell you why? Go for it. Because there are a ton of analysts of NBA games that were failed coaches, yep. but you never see any failed analysts become coaches. That's true. That's true. what I'm true. saying? So if you do yeah. the coaching thing first, you can always lean back. I mean, God love him. Uh, and we're praying for him right now because he's going through a cancer battle. But Dick Vitale was not a great coach. There's a reason he was doing uh, broadcasting for a long time. So, yeah, I think you're probably That's making the point. right decision there. <laughs> I think you're probably making the right decision. All right, I got some rapid-fire questions for you before we go. Let's start with question number one. Who was the best player you played against in high school at El Reno? Trey Young. Ooh, where did you catch him at, in
1: a tournament? Uh, yes, we always played at the Shawnee Tournament. And uh, we won't go into detail, but uh he uh he gave me some uh some pretty pretty good games. So I we'll just it at that. That's uh that's
0: a pretty immediate, obvious
1: answer if you played yes. against Trey
0: Young. Yes. How, come on, tell me, how many do you have against you?
1: He had fifty on me. Both times? Uh I don't I think he had forty one time, fifty, I can't remember the others, but uh I think he had sixty the very next game, so that puts anything into perspective
0: oh so you held him to 50 well done. that's what i
1: that's what i like to think
0: i think i know the answer to this one because uh he was on a pro roster last year but who's the best player you played against in college
1: uh trevor hudgens from northwest missouri dude is a baller and a gamer straight just got that kobe mentality of things of just handles business on and off the court and uh i really respect him but he's definitely the best player i've ever played against in college I took uh,
0: Eddie Radosovich, uh, my former coworker at the franchise, to watch you guys when you played Northwest Missouri yep. State and yep. upset him your junior year. And I asked Eddie what he thought about him, and I think Eddie described him perfectly. He just said he's a bucket. That's all yep. he is. He's a walking bucket. Uh, only, I mean, he's what 5'8",
1: 5'9"? Yeah, he's probably five ten. I would say. Okay. But but he yeah. kind
0: of chubby. Doesn't look like him. Doesn't look like a guy that is just gonna score a bunch of points on you.
1: Nope, but he Amazing he's going to he make play. a living playing basketball, I'll tell you that. Chuck. He um, play.
0: All right, um, this is a sore spot for you, but what would you think of Bedlam football?
1: Oh, not very happy. Um, good for OSU. It's a big win for them. Um, me as an OU football fanatic, always have been. It was a rough one for us. and um, There's still a lot to play for, though. I'll be on the side of that. Oh, now um, the coaching hat comes it, on. It now is, it is, yeah. it is. But there's still a lot to play for, and I'm excited to watch these dudes. It was a tough one Saturday, but uh, they'll move on and they'll get ready for next year for sure because the SEC is coming.
0: Speaking of the coaches hat, what did you think of the fourth
1: and five play at the end of the game? Oh, we won't dive down into it. but uh, Yeah, come on, if, let's get uh, into it, Cal. Well, I mean, I just think that if you're, you're, one of your biggest plays of the season only has one option to it um, – it's kind of hard to call if that if that if that would have been me playing play calling that.
0: Okay. I'm gonna ask you to be a coach. You talked about your dad running little league, right? Your mm-hmm. uncle was your high school coach. Nope. So for anyone who's got a kid that's playing, or for any kid that may be watching this that plays, if you could go back and tell, you know, eight, nine, ten year old Callen Hayden, or if you would have advice for eight, nine, ten year old player out there, what's the one thing they can work on to get an advantage that you don't think gets coached enough?
1: Well, footwork is for one, but just just the fundamentals of basketball. Like I'll always be the guy to say that um, the footwork stuff, uh, the finishing stuff, just your shooting form, really the basics of just uh, basketball. Like don't don't try to watch NBA players at a young age and try to imitate them. There, there there's foundations that you got to build to get to that level. And another thing I would say is just don't focus on scoring. Scoring is not going to take you to uh, a unprecedented level that you want to go to. There's so many more things that so many more aspects of basketball, you're not ever going to be the best scorer on the court. There's always going to be someone better than you, bigger, stronger, faster. So don't get your head caught around that and just focus on what you need to do to be better and just stay in the gym and grind every single day.
0: Yeah. I would also give the advice of don't do like I did and gain a hundred pounds between your eighth and ninth (laughs) grade years. And then you can only kind of be relegated to being a good football player. That would be my advice to you as well. (laughs) Uh, All right, Cal, before I let you go, you are currently, I think your official, unofficial, I don't know, title is Director of Player Development for UCO Bronco Basketball. Yes, sir. Um, You guys just went out to Florida. um, For those, just a little, uh, you know, just so that we make sure everyone knows this is fair and balanced here. I do the play-by-play for UCO Bronco Basketball. so, uh, So I have a little bit of a vested interest. But you guys just went out to Florida. I was lucky to go on the trip with you guys. You won two games out there in the Hall of Fame Classic against Mercyhurst, who was ranked number 25 preseason, and then Cedarville, who should have been ranked in the top 25 preseason. You're ranked number nine in the first coaches poll. When the next one comes out next week, you guys are likely to move up from number nine. So for people that are in the Oklahoma City metro, I know you guys have sold more season tickets than ever, but I'm going to give you 60 seconds to do your sales pitch on why people should come out and watch UCO Bronco basketball this year.
1: Well, it's been this has been upcoming for the last three years of just the building and growth of this program, and it's all from Coach Hoffman. And so, first, I would sell people and come if you're a coach, if you're a high school player, come watch Coach Hoffman's teams because this dude is a Hall of Fame coach. He'll be a Hall of Famer in Oklahoma soon, and he is a great coach who's done who runs a bunch of great stuff, and um, the way he talks to our team and communicates to our guys is one thing that you have to check out if you really want to be a college basketball player. I mean, he beat Coach K in the national tournament when he was at Mercer. That kind of just sells itself right there. And then otherwise, we got a bunch of great, great talented players on our team. And I'll start with Jaden Wells, who I think is probably the best player in Division II. He's probably the best shooter across any level. If you walk into a gym, I would take Jaden Wells as the best shooter in any gym we walk in, almost anywhere. So we got a great brand of basketball that's led by a Hall of Fame coach, and we got a bunch of great, talented kids on this team who play the right way, who all share the basketball with each other, who all love playing with each other, and who are all all best friends off the court. So just come get a chance to look at UCO basketball. What we're building here is going to stay for a long time, and we hope that UCO is always one of the premier collegiate basketball programs in the state of Oklahoma.
0: I would just add to that. I think uh, just kind of, you know, not so much a UCO sales pitch, but a small ba- a small college basketball yes, pitch. That's I think 100% NCAA D two basketball is that level where you get, you know, when when I was a kid, you didn't have to be six eleven or a six foot six guard to play D one basketball, and you kind of do now. And so you get a lot of those guys who are tweeners, who are the six 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 seven post players. That have better post moves than most D1 players do, but they're maybe a little bit undersized. Those guys end up in D2 basketball and have great careers. Oh, yeah. You get the the smaller guards who can just feel it up from anywhere. You know, Jaden Wells probably too short to play Division One basketball. Um, you know, teams would pass on him because of his height. But at the D2 level, he can be a legend because he's playing against a lot of other guys his size. Those guys are just as skilled. A lot of them are just undersized, and uh, you know. I would I would just say it's it's a fun time watching small college basketball. I grew up on it like you grew up, you know, on high school basketball. Cal, right? I was in small college games all the time. So I would I would say whether it's UCO, OBU, OCU, you know, any of those schools, get out and watch uh, some small college basketball this year. But especially make it a point to go out and watch the Broncos, Cal. No I'm really just personally on a personal level, the first game I ever called um, that you played in was during the COVID year. I remember we had to be like up above on the second level because we weren't allowed to be at the scorers table and your bench was right down underneath of us. And it was kind of early in the season and you were really frustrated. And I was like, man, I don't know that that kid can be coached. Like he's mad about everything. (laughs) That's what a lot of people thought. Yeah. So to see you over the years, uh, just, you know, I, I don't think you were a bad kid then. I think you were just kind of learning things to see you take it all in and become what you are now. I know I speak for a lot of people. That's really cool. So I'm glad you were able to join me. Uh, I'm glad you're not doing media because you would probably take my job. And I think you're going to be a really good coach someday.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, I'll just go back on that. That's all credit to Coach Hoffman and you know that. So honestly, Todd, I appreciate everything you've done. This program, UCO, has changed my life. It's uh, put me in a great spot to where I am. And um, I'm just happy to be be a Bronco.
0: No doubt, man. Well, thanks for going into your past with me today. If you out there liked what you heard, you can subscribe to the Todd pod on YouTube. You can subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a message, like rating, all that stuff is really good. And if you don't like what you heard, I would really hate it if you subscribe. So please, uh, please subscribe because that would make me so mad if you didn't like what you just heard. Callan Hayden, my guest today. Thank you for being on the Todd pod. Big thanks to Jacqueline Musgrove, No problem. Big thanks to Jacqueline Musgrove as well, our producer. Michael Lane, our creative director. Until next time, you have been listening to The Todd Pod.